This is Bail Street. Crime, finance, and everything in between. Hosted by Ira Jettleson, bail bondsman to the stars, and Danny Moses of The Big Short fame. This is Bail Street. Welcome to a new episode of Bail Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettleson. You know, Ira, we tend to pick up people along our paths when we go on vacation together, in business, whatever. We found a great one to bring on the show today, Jeremy Roenick. JR. We're going to talk about how we met at the blackjack table, of course. In the Bahamas, right? What's going on in his life, the beats that his son is now laying down. Talk about what the future holds for him since he's no longer uh, with NBC. And we're also going to talk about his uh, gambling story uh, with uh, Michael Jordan after everybody in the world has just seen The Last Dance. Correct. And it'll be interesting to hear his take on Michael Jordan in general, coming sure. from a superior athlete and how he thinks about the world. So with that, let's welcome Jeremy Roenick onto the show. Hey, what's, what's up, up boys? It's been a long time since the Bahamas. <laughs> yes. A little different scenario, a little different times, right? Yeah, that might have been the last, that was the last time I gambled, that's for sure. But yeah, that was a trip. I, I wanted to um, tell the story of how we met you when you uh, sat down at the blackjack table. That was I, thought, I thought, yeah, I think that's a, that is a must tell so, because so i'm sitting at third base i'd love to get your interpretation jerry but i'm sitting at third base iris in the middle jeremy sits down at first base right across from me i look immediately make eye contact i know exactly who you are um and i'm like wow jeremy ronick's sitting at the table but i don't say that ira takes a quick glance does one of these looks down i'm like oh god here it comes ira looks again he goes hey jeremy you look over like hey ira goes tough week huh <laughs> <laughs> that was christmas week first First words out of Ira's mouth. Tough week, huh? Because <laughs> I had just gotten suspended, and it was all over. The, it literally went viral all over the world uh, within hours. And that was the first night, uh, or the second night that that I was uh, that I've been suspended. And listen, don't pull any punches. Fuck that. Just yeah. say, you know. So I, there it I is. Want, apologize. So I, I wanted to make apologize. you feel comfortable. You understand? I want to let you know my personality right off the bat. Listen, I, I think I told you this story, Ira. It's my, one of my greatest friends in the world, greatest friends in the world, called me an asshole within a minute of meeting him, okay? And we became like best friends ever since. I like that in your face, just you're brutally honest and, and you know, you can- What you see be, is what you get. That's exactly you who you get. are. I, I, don't, I don't like- uh, fake people. I don't like, you know, getting smoke blown up my ass and all that stuff. And by, by no means did you do that. It was awesome. I told our friendship was built from that, from that moment on, we made some money at the table Yep. and, yep. and we hung out in the Bahamas. It was beautiful. Yeah. Had a I nice, say, had a nice cigar, some cocktails, got yeah. to meet the boys, got to meet the boys, the sons. It was pretty ironic. Uh, we had West, West, Westminster, uh, in, yeah. in uh, Go Martlets. In, yeah. With, uh, you know, in common with our sons, it was, it was, it was a friendship match made in, he in heaven or in the Bahamas. It's perfect. I agree. Happy 50th birthday, by the way. At least you didn't have to spend that in quarantine. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I barely, barely beat it. But um, I can't believe I don't feel 50. I still feel 24 and look 50. But you don't look a day over 49. Yeah, that, the, uh, yeah so that, we met your son down there. And uh, I, I made the introduction to my son, who's still at Westminster, who now, because of the NCAA dead period, We'll probably not even get recruited in lacrosse so he didn't he didn't have a season up there but your son is making music now so every every bad story has a good story so he's been in quarantine it, I so it's, it's, re it's yeah. really weird because he's a huge music fan he loves music listens to music all, all the time and uh 
you know, during quarantine, I would come downstairs in the morning and he'd be sitting at the end of the table with his hoodie on and his headphones on. And he'd just be like, he'd just be singing. And I'm like, what's going on every single morning? And one day we came down and he put the headphones on me and said, listen to this. And I said, oh, this is pretty good. Who is it? He goes, it's me. I said, really? I said, shut that up. No, it's not you. And he goes, yeah, that's me. And I was blown away. And he did it on just on, on, the, on his computer, um, you know, and just figured out how to do it. Now he's talked to some, uh, some music people and he's got some good advice on how to make his music better. And he's working on a second album. So he really enjoys it. It's a hobby of his. Tell him to send me some stuff. I'll send it to the right people. I, I'm close to Fat Joe. I'm close to Ja Rule. I'm close to Rock Nation. Beautiful. I, I, mean, I will definitely do send that. Send it to me. We got nothing to lose, right? We're playing house money. Hey, listen, that, that's what friends are for, of right? Of course. That's how we do things here. It's all about who you know and all Absolutely. about your contacts and all about your contacts. So when he drops his next album, you'll be uh, you'll be the first to get it. And um, I, I think he's really he's learned a lot, and I think the next one is going to be even better. I, I was shocked if the guy can write music like that and can and throw a throw a you know. A, a skiff together like that the way he did it was pretty impressive god bless him the uh we actually had met you years before that but i was you know, i don't think you story. remember that the, I, this is a great story but we're sitting we're in the bahamas again this is where yeah we're at we're at the cove it's michael jordan weekend it was right around martin luther king's birthday yep. you're there yep. you got mario lemuse there uh, i think uh uh brett hall might be there you had yeah, janet Chris, jones gretzky Gretzky. Yeah, Chris and Williams. I'm sitting there, and I had a shirt on. I said, I slept with Tiger. And I'm walking around with it, and I see you, and you're dying laughing. And Jordan's at the uh, at the table. He probably had about uh, $500,000 worth of chips and three bodyguards around him. And I'm, I'm hammered out of my mind trying to fuck around with Jordan. He looks at me, pulls his glasses down, and told me to get the fuck out of there. But, uh, you know, I, I watched The Last Dance, and I think it's mostly one of the most incredible uh, – uh, stories. I, I can't believe what Jordan took place, but I, it brings me back to the time. I know you told a story on a podcast about you playing with Jordan yep. uh, when you were in Chicago. Tell me about that one. 36 yeah. Well, I, first of all, I loved watching that, that whole, uh, that whole series of Michael Jordan. Uh, he, uh, he's a different, he's on a different planet than every other athlete in the world, in my opinion. And uh, the footage that they were able to able to collect over all those years is absolutely stunning and mind boggling. And uh, to see how Michael really was as an athlete and as a competitor and as a teammate, um, as a true champion was was truly unbelievable. And his, his ability to do things under such severe pressure. Um, so the story with me, I got a, I got a call on a Sunday night from Michael. This is in April back in the early 90s. He says, JR, meet me at Sunset Ridge in the morning. We'll play some golf. And uh, I said, Michael, you got a game tomorrow. He goes, it's okay. We'll just, I'll just meet you down there. We'll have a little money game. And so I meet him at 7 o'clock at Sunset Ridge in, just outside of Chicago. And we play 18 holes. And I give him a pretty good beating and uh, beat him for four or five grand. And then uh, I was getting ready to leave, thinking Michael's going to go take a nap and get ready for his game. He goes, uh-uh, let's, let's, let's roll around again. It's only 10 o'clock. Let's uh, – you know, let's 1030. Let's, let's get some, let's get, get some beers. So we ordered, you know, a case put in, uh, put in the, uh, and we, wa we were walking, we had caddies. So we went around 18 again. We probably each had 12, 12 cold ones. And, uh, I, I beat him for another couple grand and, uh, it's about three o'clock now. And we're, now we're just, we've been running around the golf course for, you know, eight hours, 
and uh, Michael's getting ready to go in the car to go down to the down to the stadium. I said, "Good luck tonight." I said, "I'm I'm calling my bookie and betting on Cleveland tonight." So good luck. <laughs> and he's like, "I'll tell you what, whatever I owe you, I bet you we win by more than twenty, and I score more than 40 I'm like, "Done, <laughs> done." They won by twenty six. He drops fifty two. That motherfucker. And he's just that, unbelievable. It, he is. Um, He's one of the most unbelievable athletes and one of the most competitive guys. And his brain, when he when he decides to turn something on and when he wants to do something, he does it. And 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 he's an amazing guy. Like I think you got to see his competitive side. Many people might have call call him a dick as a teammate because he he challenged people, yelled at people, um, you know, got into some scuffles with some some teammates. But that's what made him so great. And, you know, away from the court, he was amazing to hang out with. But he is Michael Jordan. You got to remember, it's, it's tough to be Michael Jordan. It's tough to, uh, to have people coming up to you and bothering you all the time. And everywhere you go, there's no, you have no privacy. But he does the best that he can with it. And he treats people great. And he's always treated me great. He's, uh, uh, I, I think, for sure, probably the best athlete that I've, that I, I've ever known. You know what's you know, you know, funny about that, you know, moving, moving away from Michael on that whole documentary? Wasn't it wasn't it funny to hear Scottie Pippen's reaction of the whole thing? How he was pissed that yeah. they made him look made him look bad, uh, and that I, I'm thinking, how did the makers or the producers of of that make make him look bad? He made himself. He made himself look, look bad. bad. He made himself look bad. When you sit on a bench and don't come out to play in the last ten seconds for your team because you're not taking a shot. Um, I don't think it's the producers making yourself look bad. If he would have done that in a hockey arena, in a hockey game, he would have got his ass kicked in the locker room after the game by let, every single guy. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Uh, you, all the years you played, okay, obviously with all the teammates you played with, any teammates that you sat there and just said, man, I just love playing with you, man. I, just, it does, I might not like you, but I respect you. I, have a, that I played with? Or yeah, against? with and oh, against. I, Give me a uh, with first. Um, Chris Chelios was an un- is one of the best teammates of all time. We call him Captain America. He's probably the most respected American hockey player of all time. Uh, he he would he was a lot like Michael Jordan. Would put in the work, worked it hard every single night. Uh, was uh, dedicated to his fitness every single day. He was always the most in shape guy. First to the rink, last to leave. Was the most passionate about the game. So Chris Chelios, but he was a fucker when you played against him. He would. I remember he was in a game against uh, – we're in a game against Detroit, and he gets Sergey Fedorov. We got a little uh, skirmish in the corner and this kind of little melee, and Chris Chelios gets Sergey Fedorov in a, in a, in a, headlock. In a headlock. And Chelly is the strongest person from the tip of his fingers to his elbow, the strongest <laughs> human being hand grip-wise. And he had Sergey Fedorov in – a, in a chokehold, in a, in a uh, head, headlock. And I can hear Sergey Fedorov screaming, screaming, you're going to kill me. You're going to kill me. You're going to kill me. Help me. Help me. And he's yelling to the refs. I, I went off the bench to the bench and I was laughing so hard. And um, Sergey heard it from the boys after that a lot. Keith Kachuk, what an unbelievable teammate he is. Right. Uh, again, fight for you. We'll do anything. Um, I don't know if you guys – and, and I'll, I'll kind of pull this into t- the, the same answer. One of the guys that I can't stand playing against and I hated playing against, I wanted to break his fucking ankles every time I played him, was Darian Hatcher because he blew my knee out. 
He broke my jaw. Right. He inflicted yeah. so much pain and so much injury on me over the years um, by being a competitive, a competitive player, being right. being a motherfucker, being a guy that he's. That's how Darian Hatcher played. He was he was a captain for a reason because he stuck up for his players. And you know, he broke my jaw after I after I took liberties on Mike Medano in in two thousand or nineteen ninety eight. And I always wanted to get him back. I never did, but I respected him because he did what every teammate would want you to do. Stick up for your own teammates, play hard every single night. He's actually the first American captain ever to win a Stanley cup. So you got to take your hat off to somebody like that. But I fucking hated him. I couldn't stand <laughs> playing against him. It drove me crazy. Um, and then the next game after Darian broke my jaw, who goes, who's right off the face off, who goes right after Hatcher and, and fights him. Chelios. Keith Kachuk. Kachuk. Yeah. So those are the kind of guys that, right. uh, I mean, I've played with so many great guys and so many great teammates. Mark Recchi, uh, absolutely spectacular. Tony Monty. Uh, I think Tony Monty is my, uh, my soulmate of, of, of teammates, uh, wingers, guys I played with. I, I could have played blindfolded with Tony. So, you know, a lot of guys that, uh, that I played with that they're, you know, I, I played probably the best, the best generation of hockey of all time. I got to play absolutely. with you have, against you have, a lot of the best. You have some great stories. So uh, when they do the thirty for thirty on you, and hopefully that'll be in the next few years, the stories between well, it can't that, be it can't be can't be on ESPN because there'll be a lot of f bombs and a lot of swears in there. So uh, who knows? I think you're okay after what I just. We'll saw. do a Netflix the, then. The, the, the who, who's your, who's the best player right now? Connor McDavid. I mean, who's who's the most dominant? You think? I, I've never seen a, a, a I've never seen a player as talented as Connor McDavid. Um, when you talk about sheer talent, sheer speed, the ability to to change a game. Uh, the ability to play with the puck at the high velocity of speed that he does and do everything like it's like it's slow motion for him. Um, there is nobody that can separate himself from a defender or make a defender look more, more stupid or embarrassed than Connor McDavid. Uh, I mean, the, his first three years in the league, hundred points makes it look easy. Um, you know, Crosby has been the kind of the, the poster child for, for the National Hockey League, he's probably one of the smartest players. I think Connor McDavid, I think Crosby, Gretzky, Gretzky and Crosby were the smartest players I've ever seen. Mario Lemieux, obviously, but um, one of the most intimidating was Mark Messier. I remember lining up against Mark Messier at center ice and be so scared because he's sitting there with his big jaw, locked <laughs> big jaws and his his Crying. square face, and he looked like he wanted to like like he wanted to you know eat you and kill your kids before you, before you drop the puck. And I remember telling the referee just to drop the puck as fast as he possibly could because I just didn't want to stand in that, in that face-off circle of Mark Messier. But I think right now I, – and I, I think Alex Ovechkin, in my opinion, is the best goal scorer I've ever seen. Um, Brett Hall, uh, I think. Brett Hall and Yarmer Yager are, are up there. But they played in a time where the goaltenders weren't, weren't great. We had uh, a lot of them – were stand-up goaltenders. The butterfly was just being created in the mid-90s. Uh, a lot of goals being scored on terrible goaltenders that couldn't cover the corners. Nowadays, where goaltenders are so athletic, so big, the equipment's big, they cover the net, uh, they're in shape, uh, and you have Alex Ovechkin scoring 50, 50 a year. I, right. I, I think he, he goes down for me as the best goal scorer I've ever seen. Yeah, this, this break's going to hurt his ability to – catch the record right because of uh i think it does yeah Yeah. Yeah, you know because he would have scored 50 again this year um and you know he's 
when you miss, you know, you miss 10, 15, 20 games and you're as close to goals per game that, that Alex Ovechkin's probably going to be coming up towards that record, 10, 10 games could be the difference. What do you make of the uh, plan to bring back hockey? And, you know, I guess we're in phase two. Is phase three or phase three and four going to happen? Is there going to be a season, you think? I think so. I think uh, what's going to really determine things right now is whether the this, this spike in corona is, is real or not, or whether it's going to um, hamper the players if they're not watching where they are being, uh, being home quarantined or quarantined somewhere. I think that's going to have a lot to do with it. But um, I think the NHL is going about it the right way. I think they're, they have the right mentality, the right rules, the right setups, whether the players can come back and make sure that they do take care of themselves. And, you know, one player doesn't get it. If, and if, if, they don't, if it doesn't spread, I think, I think you'll probably see hockey being played by August. Good. We need so, sports back. Yeah, we do. We need, we need a lot of things back, Judge. We need a, we need a lot of things back. We need, uh, we need our businesses back. A lot Big of people time. need their lives back. Um, it's been awful seeing what's happened in, in our country over the last four months. Uh, obviously, nobody expected coronavirus to, to lock us down like it has. Um, I think it's been as much political as it has been um, a pandemic. Um, but you know, it's unfortunate that so many people have died or have had problems that we've had. But to me, to shut down a country, one that's as powerful and as dominant as ours and, and a country that's as resilient as ours and people that is resilient. I mean, we have 30,000, 40,000 people that die of the flu every year. How many people die of heart disease? How many die, how many die of car crashes? I agree. How many, how many people, like Hawaii, you couldn't even go to the beach, go in the water. Okay. They had 17 deaths at one point in Hawaii and you couldn't go in the water. You know that Hawaii averages two deaths per day in the, in, the, in the course of a year, two deaths per day that have to do with water incidents, but they still allow people in the water. So, you know, because Corona, you can't go in the water. I, you know, I, it drives Jay, me crazy. Jay, drives are you me telling, crazy. you're telling Noah about a flood. I, 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 me and Danny will differ on this, um, you know, on what we think. Uh, I have my kids that are locked down. I don't think you're going to understand the effect that it's going to have on children. Yeah, I've got it really bad back there. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. We do. I mean, look, nobody, if, nobody in a lifetime would think that one day the world would shut down, everybody be on house arrest for four months, my kid would be learning virtually, uh, I'd be walking around my fucking neighborhood all day long seeing the same fucking people like it's Pleasantville. I mean, yeah. it's absolutely crazy. And look, my business, and you know what I do, I'm a bail bondsman. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, I, and there's crime all over the place, but they're not making arrests out there. Yeah. So that world is even shut down. So people don't have any idea what's going on with that world. Uh, well, a couple of things that have left, left the world. Common sense, common sense and being, and being uh, educated, being uh, informed. The, the hypocrisy has, it's gone to a level that I don't think anybody could even imagine, imagine what, how, how much hypocrisy has is, is, is entered our country. To be fair, there were some states that didn't even start to adhere to any of the social distancing measures. So sure, they, of course. They, and they didn't have they didn't an have impact at the beginning and it took a while for the wave to get there and now it's getting there. And so listen, there's an offset to everything. Um, but I think people are just, sick and tired of uh, being told where they have to be. I think there's a social, you know, responsibility aspect of, but at the same time, I, this is not, this is a long way from over. Uh, yeah, but you know what, you know what also, I mean, listen, 
we're, this is a free country and we have a few things that in our, in our, our possession in a free country, we have a voice, we have the ability to earn a living and we have the ability to make our own decisions. And, you know, uh, to have the government be telling us what to do in a free country, it's what we totally stand against. Um, you know, to tell people they can't go out and earn a living and they have to sit there and watch their, their lives crumble, their lifelong dreams crumble uh, and not take a chance. Hey, if, if you're really scared, if you're really scared, stay home. Stay home. Stay home. If you're really scared, stay home. If you want, if you want to go out and you want to, you want to battle the elements like we do with everything that we do. I could walk outside and get hit by a car. Doesn't mean you take cars off the road. I can get into an accident. Doesn't mean I don't drive. Yes, there. Yes, this is, is something that's new. Um, and now it's like, wh where's the antivirus? Well, do we have an antivirus for H1N1 that killed sixty over sixty thousand people in, in two thousand twelve? Do we have one for Zika? We you deal with you deal with things that come up to just shut the country down as fast as we did. Um, but was to a be little fair, those, those weren't as contagious as the others. But yes, I hear you. But those weren't as contagious. This one is much more. Other things contagious. I don't know if it's so contagious, Dan, as much as we don't understand what it's about, and we and and when we don't understand what it's about, everybody runs and and gets scared. So look, right. well, let's let's talk about what you have been doing in quarantine because. You're having fun, as much fun as you can, Jeremy. Look, I saw the opposite. Yeah, but, but you know, it's, it's so funny you said that. It's, so <laughs> yeah. funny. it's funny you said that because we talked about how I got suspended uh, in December and met you guys. You got suspended? Then I got, then I get fired in February. <laughs> and then when I got fired, I didn't have a job. Then three weeks later, nobody had a job. So, <laughs> right? so what, what happened? What, what, why did I you get suspended? You brought coronavirus. I think you caused it all just to get back at everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was in Vegas. Uh, I was in Vegas at the time and I was, uh, I was playing, um, playing uh, cards at a table that was full of crazy, uh, crazy card players from all over the world. So I could have brought something back from Vegas. So who knows what I started? Well, one of the things I, one of the things I did in quarantine, I called you, I was watching swingers speaking of Vegas. Always double down on 11. Um, <laughs> you know, the scene where you make great, great head lead, lead in the thing is, is just epic. And I somehow I'd forgotten. I played that game for four years in college, obviously. It's not so much me, it's Ronick. He's good. Yeah, exactly. It's not so much me, it's Ronick. But that was unbelievable. Watching, I'm like, yeah, here we go again. But then I saw that you're, you've been watching The Wire, which oh. is one of the greatest shows of all time. Um, awesome. Yeah, but I think they have to take that off air now, right? Didn't, didn't, aren't they taking all, all it might be, but detective yeah, shows? I saw that you were watching. Uh, That's one of the best shows out there. One of the best shows I've ever seen was The Wire. Every, every season. Well, it was funny because I, uh, I went to my social media because I was looking for something to watch. I already went through Billions. I went through Ozark. I went through Goliath. I went through The Five. I went through you know, um, Homeland. So uh, that was the that was the the majority rule was the wire. To, to show, they were all say, saying, "Watch the wire; it's awesome." Watch the wire. Uh, another one that that people told me to watch was um, was Afterlife with Rick Gervais. It was amazing. It was talk talk yeah, about funny. He's very freaking talented. heartstrings. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a lot of a lot of a lot of Netflix and Prime Video and all that stuff, and playing lots of golf because our golf course is never closed in Arizona. So I got the go out, hike, work out, um, play as much golf as possible. So it wasn't so bad being quarantined in Arizona. How's your golf game? It's really tight right now. It's really tight. I played my first senior event this last week. Mm. As you did say, I did turn 50, right? Yeah. So I qualify now for the Arizona Senior Association. Played in my first tournament. 
uh, shot 69, plays fourth. Wow. So, you know, not, bad, not a bad way to start, start my senior. Did you ever play uh, Smoltz when they were down I, in uh, – I played Smoltz a lot. Played Smoltz a lot. Great player. Really smooth. Who's better? Um, well, I'm going to say I'm better, of course. <laughs> you know, Smoltz will say I'm better too. Not nah, he'll say he's better. Are you a plus? You're what a plus two? I'm a plus one right now. I'm a plus one. Amazing. Playing, playing some good golf. I played. I played six days straight this last week. I had uh, two sixty nines, a sixty eight, seventy one, seventy, and a seventy seven. Had one bad day in a, in a week of playing golf. So uh, my body's still hanging in there. That's good. And you're walking with a caddy, or are you in a cart? Do they allow caddies there. Oh, oh, kidding me? I'm a, I'm in a cart. Um, yeah. <laughs> Why are hockey players so the the club that Actually, Ira actually belonged to this club that we belong to. I got thrown Westchester. out. He got thrown out of the club. But I understand your pain. I've been there before, too. Well, the club champ was Alexi Kovalev for like. Oh, yeah. Years. Yeah. He's got a great, he's a great stick. He's a left. Yes. Kovalev's a great stick. He's real smooth. He had one of the best sets of hands I've ever seen on a hockey player. He could, he could stick handle in a phone booth. He was so, so beautiful to watch. And it doesn't surprise me how good of a golfer he is because he's got amazing touch. It's unreal. Yeah. Hockey players, I guess it's hand-eye. and it's just, What you know, uh, what club? What club were you at? Willow Ridge. Willow Ridge. They threw me out, Jared, because I was wearing Timberlands around the pool. And uh, <laughs> and I got, I got into a little scuffle with one of the members up top because he didn't like my kid. I got kicked out because I got into a couple scuffles and broke maybe two cart windshields. That's why I love you. That's why right away at the table, we knew we were going to be right here, me and you. Because you know I, I'm a competitive motherfucker. Me too. And, I, and, and, that, that, and golf is really the only way I can get my competitive juices out, and I hate losing. I hate losing more than I like winning. And sometimes my, um, my competitive juices get the best of me, and next thing you know, um, I'm getting into trouble. I was at a father – wait, I don't mean to cut you short, but I was at a father-son baseball game, and I threw up my kid's head. Because he gave me the look like he wanted to do something with the bat. So you can understand the competitive from my fucking head. He's never looked back at me again. Right at his fucking head, I threw it at him. Hey, listen, it, teach, it teaches uh, it teach kids something. Resilience. Every, every parent looked at me like, are you kidding me? My own wife looked at me. She goes, are you out of your fucking mind? I go, he'll never look back like that again. Lucky the cops didn't come take you away because someone <laughs> called and complained. I bailed myself out. Jeremy, you're lucky uh, you didn't sit around at the blackjack table with us for that long because Ira – will sometimes just play by feel all of a sudden. He'd be like, no, I'm, not, I'm just not hitting that 14 against the 10. And I go, Ira, you got to hit the 14 against the 10. We get in fights at the table. And the one out of 10 times, you're, you're like, oh, see, I would have I, I busted. I'm like, yeah. but you hit, a, you, hit a, you hit a 16 against a 10. You hit exactly. it every single time. And this guy, he, look, this is a mathematician that basically, you know, made the big short. He thinks he's the man. Everything's fucking numbers. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I know, but stop already with the fucking math. It's just math. It's just math. That's all it is. Jeremy, uh, you, you know what I say? Film? You know what I say? This is what I say with blackjack. Be consistent. Because if you're not going to hit on 14, never hit on 14. If you're not going to hit on 16, never hit on 16. If you hit on 16... You just have to be consistent because when you stop being consistent, it screws up the whole team. I have seen, I have seen hands, and I've gambled a lot. I'll tell you two quick stories. One my dad saw and one that I saw. My dad saw a guy split tens, and there was an old lady that was sitting next to him. This is a true, this is a true story. It was in Vegas years ago. And the old lady turned to the man, and he said, she said, son, if you had a 14-inch dick, would you cut it in half? <laughs> just like that's a true story. The second one I saw – 
That's I so saw good. a guy get dealt blackjack. He was sitting on, on my right. I had 20 blackjack. The dealer goes to pay him three to two. He goes, no, 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 no. And I look at him. I go, this is not a blackjack tournament. This is the, you're getting, you know, you're getting paid here. He goes, no, I'm going to double. Dealer goes, excuse me. He goes, yes, I'd like to treat that ace jack as an 11. I turn to the guy and he goes, are you upset? I go, I don't even know what word to, <laughs> to come up with. You're being handed three to two. You're risking double to win even money at that point. It makes no sense. You're li- literally effectively laying odds on this card. He goes, I go, let me ask you a question. Were you on a plane ride here and watch some video or read some stupid book that, that told you to do this? Because the only time you would ever do that, if it's a last hand in a blackjack tournament and you had to have that extra 25% in order, order to win. I don't have to tell you what happens, right? Yeah. I push, he loses, everybody. I've never been that way. I've just craziest thing I've ever seen at a table. That's, that's the, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I, the, worst, the, other, the worst thing I've ever seen is the, the guy next to me had – Three three ace against a dealer's face card, and he stayed. He stayed. <laughs> three three ace, and I and he stayed. I said, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I have 17. I said, "No, you have seven. You have seven. Right. And he's like, "No, I'm staying with. I'm staying. I have seventeen. And that. of yeah. course, the dealer flips over a face card. Where's Keith Kachuk when you need him to literally take that guy <laughs> and wrap him in a minute? By the way, last thing, my wife's best friend was playing in Atlantic City, had a five and a four, stuck. The dealer says, ma'am, you, you want a stick? She goes, yes, I have 20. And he goes, how do you figure? She goes, five times four. Five times four is 20. You can't make that up. I mean, I couldn't have made up that story if I even tried. I mean, uh, wonder why when you walk into these casinos, you see the chandelier, you got a Da Vinci, you got a- That's right. There's, a reason, there's a reason they build those big casinos, right? It's not yeah. because we have a bunch of uh, Einsteins in the building. What are you doing now? After all so, the shit that went down, what are you doing now? Because I want to get into what happened with that shit. Yeah. So what? Uh, um, t- you guys, do you guys know, know Eric Burns? He's uh, on MLB. Um, yeah. Yes, I do. Played for the Dodgers. No, Arizona, yeah. right? Played for Arizona. Yeah. Played for. Played up in um, San Francisco. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal character. I think if you if you don't follow him on Instagram, he's a must follow. He's he's me in the baseball in the, in the baseball form. Okay, we're both crazy. We're both out there. So he invited me to, to get involved in the start of a new streaming platform that's being constructed right now called No Filter Broadcast. So starting, uh, hoping probably the next couple of weeks, sometime this summer, uh, we'll be doing um, broadcasts over live streaming and creating original content on No Filter. And we'll be able to say whatever we want because we, we won't, won't have to abide by the FCC guidelines because we won't be showing the games. We'll just be commentating on the games and doing original content and pretty much giving what the fan wants the most. And that's a true, honest opinion of what we see about sports. We'll have a gambling show. Uh, I'll have a show about, uh, about the day, day, the week, the week that was, which things that pissed me off over the week, the things that pissed, uh, that made me happy over the week, uh, both politics, life, sports, and have the ability to be um, to be engaged with the fan. I'll be able to bring fans on uh, onto the onto the platform, uh, have a conversation, have a debate, uh, answer questions uh, that they want to have about what's going on in the game or why something happened or why the refs suck so bad or you know if someone doesn't agree with me, bring them on and you have a you have an argument. Whether somebody wants to come on and call me an asshole, that's great. It's um, it's going to be in your face live. It's kind of like Twitch, Twitter. Uh, Instagram uh, that meets Facebook all in one with Dolby Stereo and uh, it'll be able to uh, 
really have that fan that that fan interaction that I think everybody really loves to have. So, no filter broadcast will be starting the summer. And to tell you the truth, I am working on trying to uh, come up with a uh, a chocolate whiskey, a new whiskey blend. That uh, I'm a big whiskey guy. So you like whiskey, huh? Yeah, I like whiskey. Me too. I got to introduce you to my boy McGregor. Connor came out with, uh, what is that, prop number 12? Yeah, yeah. Connor. A lot of people are coming out with whiskeys. It seems to be the thing to do. Whiskey is so hot right now. So right now I'm in the in the final process of, of coming up with my, my whiskey blend and then hopefully bring it to market by the end of uh, 2020 and have, have some fun in the whiskey business. Maybe you That's could call the label threesome or something like that. Or like, <laughs> That, you know what? That, it's, that, that might be a real, real. <laughs> what happened? What happened with the threesome? Tell uh, we, we heard a little bit. Tell us what you know. Nothing happened. There was no threesome. No, I know. Yeah. I, I, I want to know why NBC you know fucked around. You know, you know what's crazy is I, I'm on a I, I am on a racy podcast and talking about a story about my wife and uh, and my um, you know my my co-host Catherine Tappen on the and we we went away on vacation. All great friends. And uh, I was talking about how people were, were viewing us walking around Portugal, like the, me with two beautiful women. And by the way, I never said, I never, never even said the word threesome. I know. And I, I know and that. I absolutely, I absolutely talk so highly of, of all my, all the people I work with and especially Catherine, how great a woman she is, how great she is at her job, how professional she is, how she's probably one of the best females in all sports and, and at what she does. And, uh, the problem is, is uh, what I didn't know at the time, but it's, 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 it seems to come out. NBC was under investigation. Already, I know that. A huge investigation. I knew that. You see, I, I wish I could have told you that, that before I sat at that table. Because so, I mean, obviously, they were, yeah, they, I mean, the higher, the higher ranks at NBC were getting, were, were really under the gun of being investigated about cover-ups and sexual harassments and all the shit that was going up there. And then my, my stupid little thing came about and they just said, you know, we can't have any distractions. So I, I think I was a, I think I was a sacrificial lamb. Absolutely. No question about it. Um, I definitely feel that my boss, uh, Sam flood, um, found a, a way to say, look what I'm doing. I'm clean. I'm making sure that my, that, you know, my part of the business is, is not going to be a, a problem. And I was the guy that he, uh, you know, that, that he sacrificed in, in, in the look at what I do, um, the narcissist that he is. But that's, you know, I learned a big lesson that, you know, life changes and people's attitude changes. And you got to be really careful about some of the things that you say because you're going to offend somebody. And sometimes uh, you got to roll with the punches. It just happened that there was a. It was timing, Jerry. It was just the wrong. And by the way, I wasn't, go I wasn't going back in, in July anyway. You know, I'd reached my peak at NBC. They weren't going to uh, use me in any other capacity. They weren't going to grow, um, you know, my talents and let me do other things. So I was pretty much at a, at a dead end with them anyway. So you know. Well, now you're going to have this great. Uh, yeah, good things. Listen. Right, good things. Good things come out of bad things, right? So for me, you know, NBC treated me really well for the ten years that I was there. I can't say I can't say bad things about, you know, them giving me the opportunity to jump into people's living rooms and talk about hockey and show my excitement and my knowledge for hockey. It really, I, I learned a lot for those 10 years that I, that I was on television. So, you know, I thank them for that, for that. But I was, I was pretty disappointed with the, with the way that they treated me at the end. But, you know, you live and learn and that's, that's the way it goes. You're the man, brother. I love you. Yeah, it's Jeremy, I look forward to your next chapter, man. And the whole uncensored aspect, a little bit of mentory, 
but with a lot more sports knowledge attached to it, it's going to be uh, really cool. So yeah, it's it's going to be fun, and you know, I, I just listen. I just want to be real. I want to be. I want to. I want to speak the truth. I think people out there they don't want to. They don't want to hear the cliches. They don't. Um, they don't want to hear the blah blah blah. They want. They want real uh, opinions, and they want uh, real controversy, and they want. They want someone to tell them uh, straight up what what they're thinking, and. Um, I, I've tried to do that as much as I possibly can. Sometimes it's gotten me in trouble, but um, you know what they say sometimes, sometimes negative publicity is better than no publicity at all. So um, I've definitely, yeah. I've definitely hit some of those, those spots. When are you coming to New York? Not anytime soon. You guys are locked down. <laughs> <laughs> but when I do, when I do, you, the three of us, we're going out for dinner. We're, we're going to hit the town hard. Okay, here we are, brother. You're the best. Yeah. No All question. Right. You guys are awesome, and I'm glad that I can come on with you guys. Let's guys. do it again, but next time live and in person, okay? You guys. Absolutely. Stay healthy, Thanks, my Shane. friend. All, All right, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks, guys. That'll wrap it up for this episode of Bell Street. You can subscribe to our podcast at bellstreet.com or any other service that you use to download podcasts. We'll see you next time on Bell Street. I'm Danny Moses. I'm Ira Jettleson.